0: You are listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now, here's our featured sermon of
1: the week.
2: Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 28. We're going to continue this Holy Week story. We started last week. What an epic Sunday! Seeing people give their lives to Jesus in the form of baptism, yes. declarations on the spot. Can we? Yes, thank you, sweetie. Yes. Over 21 people? Come on now. We celebrate those lives and we celebrate what God has done. But even as we talked about the entry, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Jesus knew exactly what he was getting ready to do. And so today, we celebrate the finale. Friday, we celebrated the death. Now, I remember growing up, you know, Friday was just kind of like an afterthought. Let's get to Sunday. Sunday's the big day. But when you start to get to know Jesus more and you become more, I don't know, older in your faith, you realize how important Friday is to sit in the tension, to sit in the pain, to sit in the process of Jesus doing it all for us, sacrificing himself for us, that we may be close to him. There would never be a Resurrection Sunday if there wasn't a death and bloody and gory friday that had to happen so i'm learning to rejoice in that process and mourn in the process that my savior i thought about it this week i i felt like in all the years i've been i grew up in church i felt like you know i i've seen resurrection sundays and but the lord spoke to me he said you know the power of his sacrifice think for a moment you are god you've done everything you created it all Literally, with a snap of your fingers, you could have wiped out sin. You could have just said, hey, we're going to do a do-over. We're going to, we're going to, just, we're going to pretend like that never happened in the garden. We're just, going to, we're just going to wipe it out. But he literally said, I choose to come and humble myself and die for you. To sacrifice himself. But how many know that would have been a sad story if it wasn't for Sunday? If it wasn't for three days later? If it wasn't for the fact that there is an empty tomb? We could celebrate today because we know the end result. Matthew 28, verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Total gangster move. I think he probably crossed his hands like, you see what I did right there? I rolled that stone and I'm sitting on it right now. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. I bet they did. But the angel said to them, women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here for he is risen. And he said, come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I've told you so. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. (laughs) So epic. (laughs) Just another day in my life. I just woke from the dead. I'm good. Greetings, everybody. And they came up and took a hold of his feet and worshiped him. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my disciples to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Meanwhile, at another part of the city. (laughs) While they were going, behold, some of the guards went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they assembled the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. That's called hush money. If this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed, and this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Today I want to tell you, you can't silence a movement. You cannot silence, you can't hush money the movement out. You can't try, the the chief priests were so desperate to stop this man from becoming the savior that even when he wasn't there, they're still trying to pretend like it never happened. How foolish is that? You can't silence a movement. God's power is always at work. God is moving in ways right now in this city and in this nation that you don't know about. We may never see. Here's the interesting thing about it right now. There's people all over that are going to church to celebrate this thing called Easter. Some of them don't know why, but we got to get dressed up. We got to go to church. Meanwhile, God's moving in their hearts and people are giving their lives to Jesus. I think about the prices. I'm going to give you a shout out because I've been thinking about it all last night, how you were here last year and God moved on your heart. And not only did you give your lives to Jesus, but you become an integral part of Southview. So there's people like them in this room today. And then there's people that know Jesus, but don't really know Jesus. Because you can know somebody and not know them. You can really know, like, I know your name. I know where you live, but I don't really know you. Let me tell you something. Get to know the Savior, the King of Kings, the power. Matthew 27, this is what happens when you try to kill the Savior. Here it says here, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. See, God did that on purpose. He didn't want anybody to take the credit. You can't cut the curtain. The curtain was so high up and so thick that no human, a human would have had to start from the bottom. God said, let me just make it known that I did it. I'm starting from the top from the top to the bottom, the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Can you imagine uncle Jim? He he served a good life. All of a sudden he shows up the next day, knocking on your door. I'm back. (laughs) Guess who's back? I am. It's me. It says, and while the centurions and those were with him keeping watch over Jesus, they saw the earthquake and took place, and they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. When God moves, earth shakes. Two earthquakes, one at the time he died, and one at the time he was risen. The earth was birthing forth something. All of creation knew. The Savior, the King of kings His Lord. He come back. And even when he died, they just were shaking, going, oh, you don't know nothing, humans. You ain't seen nothing. I know the Creator ain't gonna live in a grave. They knew. The earth knew. Nature knew. Then there was this temple torn in two. Not The temple veil was torn in two, not just as a sign, but it was a declaration that you now can come into the Holy of Holies. You can't be held back. Not one person once a year can go in and, and 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 sacrifice for your sin, but now you can freely come into the Holy of Holies and experience Jesus the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other God like that. There's no other God that can do things like that. Oh, that's not just it, but there's more. Dead saints hanging out. People coming back from the dead. Why? Because when God does something, the power is so strong that it dribbles over into other things when God spoke the world into existence, we know for a fact that the universe is constantly expanding. Why? Because God said, let there be light. And when he said that it reverberated through places that weren't even created yet. His word is still going forth. So when Jesus was resurrected, how many know that other things around him got resurrected? I believe there was flowers starting to blow. That's just my interpretation. Things started coming to life and people came out like a thriller video. They just were like, I don't know. I don't know. Started dancing like, you know, anyway, the point is, I don't want to cheapen God to Michael Jackson. All I can say is, is this, when God resurrected from the dead, that power spilled over into other people. And all of a sudden you're seeing somebody walk around the city and you're like, weren't you dead? Yeah, I was, but something woke me up. First Corinthians 15, Paul's talking about this and he says, Jesus appeared to over 500 people at one time after he was resurrected. You can't silence a movement. See, we live in a nation right now that, that seems like it's far from God. We got things creeping up all over the place that are so foreign to the word. And sometimes as Christians, we can think we're defeated. But let me remind you, you can't silence a movement. See, the enemy is so nervous. Because here's the deal. The devil is so dumb. Jesus told his disciples in open air. That means Satan could have heard it. He told them exactly what he was going to do. He said, in three days, I'll rise again. I mean, the enemy was dancing. He totally forgot that Jesus is resting his eyes for three days. He's coming back. And that's what we do sometimes. We forget that you can't silence a movement. See, every one of you, although it says here that the chief priest, they tried to silence this, we're all here today because word got out. And I know this because I got a lot of kids. When you tell them not to do something, what do they want to do? They want to do it. When you tell somebody not to talk about it, what do you want to do? Hey, I'm going to tell you a secret. Don't tell anybody. My my wife and I realize one person's getting told right off the bat. It's going to happen. That's just the nature of it. We want to tell people. So when they said to squash it, people said, we got to talk about this. This guy, Jesus, I just saw him. He was at this rally. 500 people showed up. He was talking about all these miracles. In fact, in scripture, it says that there were more. Look at this. John 21, 25. It says, now there are also many other things Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written with the miracles and stories that Jesus did after he was resurrected. That's how powerful he is. Revelation 12, 11 says this. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. That's already been done. There's nothing you can do to earn that. That's, that's we've, It's freely been given to you. Jesus did it on the cross. He paid a price for you. Every one of your sins, the things that you've done, the things you're doing now, and the things you're going to do, he covered it all. It's already done. He did it, but he partners it with humanity. Look what it says. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even to death. Let me say to you today, saints, it may look bad, but guess what? God is never late. He's never losing. Come on now. He is never behind. He's always on time. He's always victorious. He is the risen king. This is the resurrection power. It's been released on the earth, and it's still in us today. All my life I grew up in church. I thought for sure, you know, I knew all of this. How many know that the longer you're with Jesus, the more you get to know there's so many dimensions to him? You could be in this faith for. 90 years and still try to learn new things about jesus i remember growing up and people would give testimonies like it says here in in the revelation of jesus that we're going to overcome by the blood and lamb and the word of the testimony i was like man i ain't got no testimony i've been in church all my life i didn't shoot nobody i didn't do drugs i mean man i missed out i should have everybody come up and share a testimony you know missing an eye i shot people i was in jail i was like man that guy's cool man i want to do that And I'm like, Lord, what is my testimony? I remember when I was 35 years old. Let me back up, even say this, that all my life, my parents had this story that I never knew what it was. They just would talk about it. And I I said, tell me what you guys are talking about. We'll tell you when you're older. I guess 35 was older. I don't know. I thought, wow, 35. Finally, my parents telling me the story. I remember in my kitchen. I remember in my kitchen, I remember at the kitchen table, my mom, who is now with Jesus, she sat me down and she said, I'm going to tell you this story today. She said, the reason why I'm telling you this story is because all these kids, and it wasn't even all of them now, and this church that you started, all this thing that you've done, none of us should be here today. She said, when I was just a baby, I had suffered with allergic reaction to milk. I didn't have oat milk and almond milk back then. Just hook your boy up. I mean, I was crying. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> my, wife was de- my mom was dealing with postpartum. She had lost her mother the year before. Grief and pain and depression was setting in big time on my mom's life. So she woke up one day, and I'm crying, and she just doesn't know what to do. My dad's at work, and she's just like, I'm going to take my life. So I don't know who's going to take care of this baby, so I'm taking him with me. But God somehow, someway, spoke to my mom and told her to go on that refrigerator and call that number right there. And it was a number for the police. She calls the police and she says, I'm getting ready to take my life. Hangs up the phone, puts a pillow over my little baby head and suffocates me. I was dead. As she began to cut her wrist, the police came and stopped her and brought me back to life. You can imagine on that kitchen table that day, I was like, what? My mom was the greatest mom little italian lady she cooked for you until you couldn't eat anymore she played every game with me and probably made me let me win all of them i was like mom i never knew i never knew this could be you i didn't know my testimony until i was 35 years old and my testimony was this i was risen from the dead i was brought back to life for such a time as this Now, when I was in that process, my mind began to go, God, why did you do this? And I realized, don't waste a day. Don't waste a day. Don't waste a moment. So we're having kids and we're building a church and we're spreading the gospel and we're laying hands on people because we believe in the power of the resurrection. You can't tell me different because I shouldn't be here today. There's no other God that can do this. No other savior that did this. Don't get this twisted. There's no other God like this. Everyone pales in comparison. In fact, if you study other religions, Jesus is sprinkled within. Why? Because you can't stop the name of Jesus. Even other religions go, well, there's something about this guy. I'm telling you, he is the Savior. He is the King. He's the Son of God. So I know there's power in the testimony. And my desire today is to release the testimony so that you can walk in the power of God. Because I refuse to let the enemy win because, listen, I want to tell you right now, enemy, as you can hear my voice, you will not stop a movement. And the kingdom of God will advance. So today I'm inviting a few people that we've planned to share testimonies in this place. Because not only is my testimony being released, but I believe there's others in this place that have a testimony today. Jake?
1: So when I was served papers for divorce, it broke me. It broke me as a man, um, broke me as a husband, broke me as a father. And I didn't know how to deal with that pain, how to deal with um, just that weight of my life being over as I knew it. And the days that followed, the season that followed, if I wasn't at work, or if I wasn't trying to put on a smile for my girls, I was sleeping because that was the only way that I knew to escape that pain. It was the only relief, if, it, if you could call it that. And it got to the point where the pain was so much that I would at night cry and I would say, God, like, I want to end things because I feel like my girls are going to be better off without me. My family will be better off without he- having to hear my- about my pain. So if you can, will you just not wake me up tomorrow? I can't take this. He didn't. And every day that I woke up, I had to ask why. And little by little, what he showed me was, wait, I have something else for you. And so God gave me a second chance in family life. God gave me a second chance in ministry. And he took it Even a step further, and said, I want to share with you a word that I have something specific for you that you have to do. This is what I created you to do. And He gave me life and hope, resurrected me through His word.
0: Good morning. I'm Donna Offhammer. On September 1, 2020, I was taken by ambulance from TriStar Emergency Room in Spring Hill to Centennial Hospital downtown Nashville with COVID-19 and a fever of 103.5. After two days in a COVID room, I was rushed to ICU because my oxygen had dropped so low. When I entered the ambulance, I asked God to show me his presence and fill me with a peace that passes all understanding. I had no fear because he promised me he wouldn't leave me or forsake me. The doctors told me they were going to put me on a ventilator and called Norm and told him I probably wasn't going to make it. I told them I wasn't going on a ventilator because my healer was going to heal me. I said those words because I believed with everything in me that he would. It wasn't the first time that he had moved a mountain for me. I spoke out my healing day and night. I took communion, I listened to worship, I prayed and I read scripture. Through those very lonely 38 days in the hospital, Jesus showed himself to me more than once, very tangibly. The more I cried out to him, the closer he became. He was enough. He made a way for me to live when there was no way. He was my light in the darkness. He was the hope I needed to fight for It was his breath in my lungs that I needed when I felt like I was suffocating. I depended on him to heal me. I spoke things out as if they already happened. As much as I would never want to go through that again, I would do it over and over just to have him hold me like he did. I've been told by the doctors I am a miracle, and I give Jesus all the glory for being with me every step of the way. (laughs) <laughs> he chose to keep me here in my earthly home and I choose to live for him to meet him one day in my heavenly home I'm grateful and thankful. My resurrected King resurrected me
3: Good morning, I'm Mike and this is my wife Jody and um, we moved here um, Shortly after we were married from Los Angeles over 20 years ago, um, we had no support system here. Uh, we moved here because my 11-year-old son was here and my ex-wife was here, um, and so uh, we we didn't know Jesus when we moved here. We had no idea. We our marriage was completely falling apart. Um, we we actually really were on the brink of divorce. I didn't realize that, but that's what the plan was, and so. There was no love and respect and there was no trust and there was no communication. It was bad. Um, And so our fallback even in California for me was going to church and just thinking that that would make everything better. Um, So that's what we did. It was a last resort. It was more of an obligation. There was really no relationship with Jesus through it. There was nothing there. It was just a, Um, But we did eventually meet some friends and some neighbors that invited us to their church. Um, It was in spring earlier. And so uh, we we started going again with them.
4: Yeah, so we were in church, not serving, didn't know the Lord, didn't know the word. But Mike, out of desperation, went to our pastor and shared with our pastor the problems that we were having in our marriage. And the pastor uh, recommended a marriage counselor to us. So we went... When we first started going, we'd come in separate cars. We'd sit at opposite ends of the couch. We didn't talk to each other. It was really, really bad. But through our counseling, the counselor began to teach us what the Bible said about how to submit to each other and what the Bible said about how to treat each other and what it looked like to have love and respect for each other through the words of the truth of God. And through that we ended up renewing our vows before the Lord, which we definitely didn't do in our yeah. first marriage. And uh, we both ended up getting saved, and we got baptized on the same day. But, you know, we know that the devil tried to take our marriage because, like Mark says, you can't silence a movement. And we know we are believing for our children. That's right. We're believing for our legacy. And... Um, the that devil knows that we're stronger together than we are alone, so he tried to take that. But we, our marriage is by no means perfect, but we have committed to keep God in the center of our marriage every day. His faithfulness sustains us, so it's not about our feelings. It's about what God has planned for this marriage, and certainly because of the faithfulness of God, that's why we stand here today still married and serving the Lord.
5: Oh, man. Before we were married, I was told by a doctor that it would be hard for me to get pregnant. We started plans for a family right after we got married, knowing that maybe time was going to be against us. After some first steps, we eventually were told to try IVF. We did three rounds of IVF without one pregnancy test positive. But we determined to still stay trusting to worship through our pain because he was worthy to remain steadfast and we continue to lead it on Jesus. In 2015, we moved to Nashville. We know Nashville had awesome medical care. So we were excited to try again. Uh, We got jobs right away. I actually got fertility benefits at my job, which is unheard of. Um, And um, again, we just Witness God's blessing and his hand on every single step of our, our lives. <clears throat> we started the process. I took the medication. We witnessed miracle after miracle. I can't say all of them today, but um, we implanted the strongest embryo, and to our greatest surprise, we got pregnant. Um, we went to our first ultrasound, and they weren't able to find a heartbeat, so we were miscarrying. Yes, it was a def- devastating time, but God would never leave us or forsake us. Through all the whys and the questions, he knew, we knew that he would come through, and our hearts were changing throughout this whole process. God healed and gave us the strength to try one more time, and we went in with confidence this time, the peace that surpasses all understanding that no matter what, God had a plan It was like he gave up, we gave up all nervousness and worry and just let it all go. We surrendered to the Lord. And 10 days later, we saw those two little lines and we were pregnant and our son was on the way. All of those years of waiting and wanting and begging and pleading, we finally have our miracle son. Times weren't easy, but he's been worth it. 13 years, Jesus restored in our waiting. Um, the prayers. And I just want to say like, if you hear anything I say today, God sees you. He hears you. He sees those nights of praying and pleading and he is with you. He sees you. We worship out of a different place now. We worship from our victory and we know that he is always good. He's always worthy. And we will say it today and every single day. Praise God.
6: That was (laughs) touching. Hi, my name is Esther Sanders, and I've been a member here going on nine months now. Um, I came from California last July 4th uh, to stay with my daughter and my son-in-law. They brought me here because um, for five, six years, they were taking care of me in California. I moved in with them, and they were taking care of me. The doctors had diagnosed me 20 years ago with fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis, connective tissue disorder, I didn't have a mind. I didn't have a voice. I was in major, major pain all the time. And um, five years ago, I just prayed, God, I give it to you. And my heart changed. I just kept believing that God was going to restore me someday. I didn't know when that was going to happen. So um, I was here. um, I came here July 4th. My daughter's like, we have a church. You need to see it. I'm like, I'm there. Um, I came here the, that following Sunday and loved the church, walked in and could feel the Holy Spirit. I knew I was home. And then I came back the following week. Um, I was hurting. I had a hard time walking. I came to Tennessee in a wheelchair um, from California and was just, it, I was just in a lot of pain. my Daughter will testify to that. So I came that Sunday and I remember Pastor was preaching and he's just, he stopped and he said, You know, God is telling me there's people in here that are just suffering. They're in pain. They've got things that need to be healed. We need to come up and pray. And so I hobbled up there and lifted my hands like this because I was in pain. I couldn't raise my hands. I couldn't do anything. And, um, I just and they prayed over me, and my hands went from here to here, to here, to here. I'm walking. I'm on no medication. I was on medication, 12 different ones. I have not been in any pain for six months. Yes. I mean, I want to jump. <laughs> and um, it, it was God. And I give I have the victory. He has the glory. And I'll let you guys know how my salsa lessons go.
7: (laughs) This is not going to be easy. I stand before you as one of your pastors, a man who has been to places no one should ever go a man who has done things that no one should ever do. But I stand here redeemed because of the love of God. I used to celebrate going on on Friday nights and, and how much I could drink and how many people I could drink under the table. I used to boast about it. Little did I know as I was doing that, what the enemy was doing is sending me into a death spiral down this pit. That when I finally realized that I had an issue, I didn't know how to get out. And the only thing that I did, the only thing that I knew how to do was to just keep relying and keep doing what I was doing because I could see nothing. I was in blackness. Through that time, I became a horrible husband. I became a bad dad. I became a guy that would go to church with his wife because she begged him to and sit there hungover talking about how much I hated it. Until one day, Through an out-of-context word that the pastor spoke, Christ shot it to me like an arrow through the heart. And I said, fine, God, if you want this, if you want this nastiness, if you want all of this, you can have it. But here's my list of demands. And literally, God looked at it and said, is that it? I thought this might be hard. Psalm 42 says, deep cries out to deep. And while I never really understand that, what I found is that the depth of God's love called out to the depth of my despair. And it pulled me from the pit. And I told God I said if you want to try and breathe life back into this back into this husk of a man if you want to try and clothe me in righteousness go ahead give it your best shot cuz I promise you it's not going to happen I've seen too many things I've I've been I've done too much and God said so what So what Colossians 2.14 says, By canceling the record of debt stood against us with its legal demands, he set aside nailing it to the cross. I no longer walk in the idea that I'm an alcoholic, that I'm an addict. I walk in the idea that, you know what, I'm a new creation in Christ, that what he has rebirthed in me, that what he has, has robed me with, the righteousness that he has robed me with, I left all that behind. I will never be that man. But it came with the price, and that price was laying it down and letting it go and letting God.
2: They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony. only way you'll stop a movement is by keeping your mouth shut. May we be a people that are freely able to share the goodness of God. You may be a person like some of these in this room that have a blatant testimony, or maybe you're like me, 35 years old, just thinking, doing the best I can and realizing that I'm a living, breathing example of the resurrection power.
4: Thank you so much for
0: listening to Southview Church. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multicultural, multi-generational, Holy Spirit-filled and led community. We believe that who the sun sets free is truly free. If you would like to connect with us further, check us out at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.